And hey there, hi there, ho there, good morning to you, a gracious good Saturday morning. Welcome back to another exciting edition, uh, I'll temper that a little bit, but another edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast, <laughs> where we discuss the joy and excitement of U of L women's athletics, and sometimes the downfalls, as we, uh, it's the morning after, that's right, it's the cards last night, uh, we're in the final four took on the number one team in the land in South Carolina and ended up on the short side of that. We'll get into that in much more detail later on in the broadcast as we've got four on board with us today. Myself, we've got Case, Jared, and Daryl as Jeff is, uh, I guess he's in Bowling Green now. Yeah, headed down to uh, watch spring volleyball for the University of Louisville. Uh, in the search of some positivity, I guess he hopped in his car and headed down to the Corvette capital of the world. So, uh, a lot to go through, a lot of baggage to discuss today. We'll, we'll start with, uh, just kind of talking to the participants today. Case, uh, a tough loss, but, uh, certainly a great effort by the cards in the loss. Yeah, the, the final score is... Not super indicative of how the game went. I mean, the game flow never felt like Louisville was getting blown out, even in moments when they were. Uh, cards showed a lot of fight. Um, it's just, you know, some things didn't go their way. I wrote about it extensively, how statistically this game looked so close. And, you know, the 15-point the advantage that South Carolina came up with from beyond the arc, which is not something you would have expected to say going into this game, made the difference. Yeah, three-pointers, usually the cards, uh, strong point, just weren't there last night. Uh, Daryl in the house with us. Uh, Daryl, I know it's it's a it's a tough way to end the season, and, and I'm not trying to be Shirley Temple or Pollyanna here and paint a bright, rosy picture on this. It is what it is, obviously, but... Uh, you know, you just got to admire the way the cards uh, battled tooth and nail with this team for, I'm going to say, 25 minutes. Got back into it. But uh, ultimately, South Carolina kind of showed the nation why they're number one. Yeah, and when you have the uh, player of the year, like, filling up the stat sheet but doesn't foul at all, <clears throat> how do you beat somebody like that? It's kind of crazy. You take their leg out. When I was, when I was looking for uh... – photos to put in this one uh, next to my ahem zero fouls line that I had in the article uh, I found a photo uh, that was Cochran and uh, Boston going at it and it was a little bit obvious what was happening <laughs> but unfortunately uh, for some reason I mean, maybe Google is cracking down on saving images but it wouldn't let me put them in there so couldn't couldn't, couldn't share my uh, disdain any any further than I already did. But we're, we're familiar with uh, Final Four refs not calling fouls on the uh, <laughs> biggest player of the, the Final Four. So. Oh, you got to bring Columbus into it, didn't you, Daryl? Oh, my gosh. I will never forget it. Yeah, that's uh, anytime I see you, Tierra McCowan now in an NBA, WNBA jersey, I'm just kind of like, I wish Maisha would foul her. I don't care if they're playing or not. Foul her, Maisha. I don't care if she's at McDonald's. Go foul her. Exactly. She's pulling up to get a tank full of gas. Knock that <laughs> bump right out of her head. 
Yeah, Jared in the house as well. Jared and I uh, talking a little bit before the game on this about the just the fact that the the, the cards they gave it their best effort, Jared. But you know, sometimes the team is just bigger, faster, and stronger, and we ran into that last night. Yeah, the the matchup was not in our favor at all last night. Uh, we're definitely one that a team that likes to run, but we were out outsized at at every position, and it's that extra, that length. And that's, it's similar to what we kind of saw what Engelsler would do a lot this year on, on defense with her extra length that she'd kind of disrupt the flow of the game. And when we had a three, four, five inch disadvantage at every position, it, it disrupted our flow of the game. That's for sure. That was well, I think we things. just needed, you know, Gene Hackman to take over in the fourth quarter and do his Hoosiers imitation and get the kids back into this game. Maybe I don't know. That length was one of the things that just kind of throughout the whole game, it it even affected the way I viewed it. Louisville's made a ton of cross-court passes that have been really successful this season, and they didn't really turn the ball over when they made them last night, but every single one in the moment felt like a terrible decision. Like, as soon as you would see Van Lith or or Robinson, like, rare up or or, uh, wind up for that overhead pass, you're like, nope, no, don't do that. It was just, it, it was... Stifling defense, I think is the right word. Their guards guarded the cards, no doubt about it, and did a, a good job on it for their point. But uh, as for myself, yeah, just kind of, you know, it's the morning after. Uh, spent a long time last night uh, listening to the post-game broadcast that Nick Curran uh, so, so admirably did last night in what was a very tough situation. And uh, uh, got to listen to part of the players and Walls' post-game press conference. And uh, the, the thing that Jeff kept coming back to and obviously trying to, to paint a, a positive picture here is, is, hey, how many teams would have died just to be where we were? How many teams would have just taken a look and said, God, if I could, we could just get to one Final Four? And he said, you know, we've been to, we've been to in my time here, four of them now. He says, and we'll do it again next year. He says, I'm confident. I've got a great team coming back, and we'll make a run at it next year. Uh, and w- which, you know, Wallace probably needed to do because there was no need to throw any more gasoline on on the fire. He was trying to take a positive outtake of it and, uh, you know, gave credit to where credit was due. So the time of the show where we usually get into a little scheduling and Twitter information. So we'll... Uh, on case to uh, give that rundown for us for what's going to take place in the next week for Cardinal Athletics. Yeah, so you mentioned Jeff being kind of bowling green. Volleyball is uh, at Western. Uh, they've only got, I think, the match against Western listed today, but I think they might be playing more than just that one. Um, either way, that, that doesn't have a time, but I think probably is going on whenever. Uh, rowing is at the Sunshine State Invitational in Sarasota. Uh, they sent two to the grand finals uh, of that event. Baseball is in Pittsburgh um, for a weekend series there. That first game is uh, noon today on the ACC Network. Softball is playing against NC State in Raleigh. They dropped that first game of that series last night. Uh, they'll play at 1 p.m. today, and then baseball taking on Pitt in the second game of the series. 
uh, presumably a rain out last night uh, at 3.30 today. Women's golf is in the Wolfpack match play tournament in Raleigh uh, starting tomorrow, uh, going through Monday. Women's tennis heads to Chestnut Hill to take on Boston College at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Softball wraps up their series with NC State at noon. Baseball wraps up their series with Pitt at 1. And men's tennis hosts Wake Forest at 1 p.m. The only event on Monday is that women's golf event in Raleigh. Lacrosse hosts Vanderbilt on Tuesday at noon. Uh, Gotta love a midweek game at lunchtime. Just pop over there on your lunch break, I guess. Hey, they got the food trucks out there. Right. That would be an idea. You got to pitch that, Paul. That'd be really cool. Absolutely. So, I mean, if I can go over there and get a good chili dog and sit down and watch a lacrosse game on Tuesday, are you kidding me? I agree. Absolutely. Uh, baseball, the Battle of the Bluegrass uh, in Lexington on Tuesday at 6.30. That one's on SEC Network Plus. I think that is a subsidiary of ESPN Plus. Like, I think you have to have ESPN Plus to get SEC Network Plus. That's not like ACC Network uh, I know Extra. you got to pay for it. That's uh, those things. Yeah. Men's tennis is in South Bend taking on Notre Dame on Wednesday at 3.30. Softball hosts Kentucky for their Battle of the Bluegrass on Wednesday at 7 p.m. No video listed, but I'm sure that'll be available on ACC Network Extra. Track is at the Tennessee Relays in Knoxville starting on Thursday. That continues on Friday. Also on Friday, women's tennis taking on Florida State at 4. Baseball hosting North Carolina at 6. And... Uh, I guess they're going to take the same bus or flight because softball hosts North Carolina also at 6. Probably the same flight and bus. <laughs> Might as well just ride the same bus over from the airport to the campus. Uh, that'll get you through next week. Um, obviously, wish we were talking about uh, a game on the calendar on Sunday, but won't be able to do that. As for our Twitter accounts, I tweet as at best case scenario, BST case scenario. Polly is at Cardinal Couple. Jared is at Mr. Anderson Jared. Daryl is at Daryl Faust 4. And Jeff is at Jeff McAdams and at Card Couple Radio. Um, as always, you can keep, a lo- keep up with all of the UL Twitter accounts on the right side of the Cardinal Couple website. Absolutely so. We invite you to do that. As uh, you can never tell what this group's going to come up with on on Twitter, so it's fun to kind of catch up and follow up on stuff sometimes. Speaking of Twitter, I had a tweet last night that I didn't that did, had no retweets, and yet had an inordinate amount of likes from people that do not follow me that I've never seen before. I was very surprised. So, Twitter algorithm working <laughs> in my favor. So it was the was it travel about? the travel tweet about how the the rules yeah. of the, the travel rules apparently don't apply to South Carolina. Gotcha. I, and and the, with some of the random people liking it, I wasn't sure if some people thought that I was talking about very different travel and the state of South Carolina. It was really kind of clear. I was, I was like, this tweet is finding a, a group of people that I wasn't sure it would. You never can <laughs> tell what's going to take off on Twitter. That's for sure. I remember... Uh, Gosh, this has been a couple of years ago. I just put a random tweet out about the Eagles, the rock band, after Glenn Fry died. You know, it was one of the founding members of the band, and 
a strong force to the Eagles. And I just put it out there kind of in passing, you know, gosh, that thing got jumped on. I mean, people were just liking that all over the place. And I'm like, maybe I'm writing about the wrong stuff here. I'm a dub birds fans. And yeah. Yeah. Quit talking about you know, athletics and cover the Eagles the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and get on into the meat and the bones of it. We can't put it off any longer. It's knocking at the door and it's got a summons and a warrant. Let's talk about last night's game against the South Carolina Gamecocks. The Louisville Cardinals fell on this one. 72-59, you know, it was a fun ride while it lasted. But the end of the season happened last night. And Minneapolis says South Carolina defeats the Cards by 13. Uh, when you look at this game, obviously some things to look at. Leah Boston, the National Player of the Year, had 23 points against the Cards. Uh, Bria Beal had an outstanding game with not only 12 points, but basically shutting down Haley Van Lith almost the entire game defensively, uh, holding Haley to just nine points in the contest and a late three. But uh, it was it was a rough start for the Cards too, and that's something that I'm sitting there watching this thing, and I'm like, this is exactly what we did not want here, falling behind seven to nothing. Walls kind of letting them play through the shakes and the shivers and the nervousness. But when it got to 11-2, he, he did what any coach would do. He took a timeout and just kind of gathered them over there and said, everybody take a deep breath, calm down. You're in the Final Four, you know. Play Louisville basketball, please. Go ahead and, you know, don't make this thing look like a total whitewash. And the cards did respond a little bit. 17-10 at the, at the first quarter end. Started out the second quarter incredibly with a 12-0 run to take a 22-19 lead, but that lead lasted about two minutes. South Carolina responding with a run and going in uh, 34-28 at the break. The Cards had actually headed at 30-28, but a wealth of two baskets by Carolina at the end there of the first half gave them the six-point lead, and then the the fateful third quarter happened where South Carolina came out, you know, hotter than a summer day in, in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, hitting their first three shots. I believe all three of those were threes, too. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that. But uh, they immediately took that six-point lead and ballooned it out to 15. At 51-36, halfway through the third quarter, Louisville did fight back again and fight back admirably. Keanu Smith, Mikasa Robinson hitting some baskets to make it 54 to 48. But uh, unfortunately, the Gamecocks got a nice whistle on Emily Inksler. Leah Biosica and Boston's bucket went. And the cards were trailing 57 48 going into the fourth quarter. And the cards were never getting any closer. So. A lot of ways and a lot of things we can talk about on this one. Let's just kind of uh, – somebody, Jared, you may want to talk about a little bit is the effort that Emily Inksler put out on this game. She just left it all out on the court today. Last yeah. Night for yeah, absolutely. There was no question about the effort that she put forth throughout the, the entire game, and she had a tall order, and, and some of the defensive efforts that she was expected to do, and uh, 
you know, she sparked that 12-0 run when you go back and look and how many times she had disrupted a pass or, or got the steal. And I think she had, what, six of the, the 12 points in that 12-0 run. So I mean, we wouldn't have taken that lead in the second quarter without her. And, and I think once she did go to the bench there with a couple quick fouls in the second half, it uh, got worse for us. And then she, by the time she fouled out with about four minutes left, I mean, there was still enough time in the game for us to – make a push and come back but we lost a lot of size and length when she went out too so that uh, certainly didn't help our chances as we started i almost want to say like going backwards a little bit there which really was unfortunate unfortunate indeed is a angler you know she she gave it all she had you know she had 18 points eight for 17 from the floor which is not too bad almost a double double for daryl with nine rebounds and uh you know, she, she's she's a ball player that, man, we enjoyed having her for a season, and let's hope that there's a clone out there for her that will come in next year and say, I am Emily, too, and do the things that she did this year. Yeah, you could see the emotion when she fouled out um, that I don't think – I think that a lot of people thought, yes, it was a foul, but I don't think she was ready to say that she was done. You know, like she kind of got real for her that – College career is probably over. I mean, at least this season is over for her. Um, it was really sad to see her upset on the bench, um, especially with the the camera coverage of her being upset on the bench, especially because after oh, this entire week of the cards not getting the, the credit they deserve and people saying that this is the team of Haley Van Lith, um and that she doesn't have any help. It's just really disappointing how much time they showed her crying on the bench after that performance because she really did leave it all out there, and I don't think she was ready to hang up the the shoes. America loves drama, and people like to watch misfortune on their screens. Especially when it's U of L. Yeah, especially when it's U of L. Uh, yeah, your heart goes out to Emily. I mean, all the work that she did to get herself into the shape that she reported to the Louisville campus in. I mean, she was basically somebody who needed to lose some weight when she was at Syracuse and through diet and exercise and nutrition and the help of her, her sister and her mother, she got herself down there. She got herself in shape to play. And, you know, she's got a heart the, the size of, of, of Texas. I mean, the girl just fights and battles and, and you know the other thing, Paul, about Emily is like, we we saw her, t I don't want to call it a temper, her passion at the beginning of the season in these games and getting called for technicals and it really affecting her playing time. And somewhere along the way, Coach Wells, I guess, pulled her to the side. They worked through that. I think that he straight up probably called her every name in the book and expected her to keep a straight face or a calm demeanor and, and stay on the floor. So there, there was a, a real effort by the staff to, to make Emily the best that she could be. And I could see it. I could see that she was trying harder to stay on the floor. It just really sucks that uh, she fouled out in this one. It, it, it's a tough foul out for sure. And, and we talked about this earlier 
if she had been in there for those final six minutes, would have made that big a difference for Louisville. It's hard to say. We can't predict that. We don't know what would have happened. Mm-hmm. All I know is that her being on the bench. Uh, she probably could didn't. have broken the steal record and got a double-double. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> her, her going to the bench didn't enhance the card's chances at all. But, no. uh, you know, sadly, uh, it is a game where fouls are called. Uh, you know, we, we've become very used to Louisville drawing and, and getting more fouls called them on opponents all season long. That's what I'm saying. And uh, yesterday was that case. 17 fouls was hit on us. Just 11 for South Carolina. And the Gamecocks uh, capitalized Darrow at the foul line. They went 12 for 17. We got seven, count them, seven free throw attempts. Wow. And made four of them. So, I mean, South Carolina. Nobody was in foul trouble. How are you gonna? How are you gonna be a bigger squad out there, and nobody is fouling? It just doesn't make sense to me. You, you look at this this Louisville squad too. I mean, at the start of the season, I'm looking at this potential starting lineup. I'm looking at two transfer portal players, a sophomore center, a sophomore shooting guard, and a senior who was in her second year as a starter who came in from the West Coast. And am I seeing Final Four on a team like that? No, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, how ah, are we going to miss Dane Evans a whole lot? Well, especially with the clunker against Arizona to open the season. I, I yeah, mean, yeah. it felt – I was going to make the point, too. This this whole – <laughs> I was listening to a podcast with Mike Rutherford and Haley O'Shaughnessy, and they joked that um, – after the first weekend, Haley Van Lith was talking about how they were, you know, the bad news bears, the bad news cards, and they're busting everybody's brackets, and it's like, you beat a 16 and a 9 seed, right? But, like, that was the chip that Louisville played with on their shoulder, and to be fair, they were a team that a lot of people thought didn't deserve the one seed they got, that they uh, had maybe an easier path to the Final Four with Baylor getting knocked out, but... After well, that 16 tall. seed, after that 16 seed, Louisville didn't play a double-digit seed, which none of the other Final Four teams could say, and uh, maybe Stanford didn't either, but they lost too, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> but case sneaking in his his jab, Mike Rutherford reference. Hey, gotta make it, gotta make it. What does he pay you on the side to do that for him? Uh, not curious. enough. <laughs> obviously, you know, he's. A- wasn't even his podcast. I didn't even plug which podcast it was. Um, but, but yeah, it, this Louisville team, I don't think we expected to make it this far, and it was a joy to watch. I tweeted after the game on Monday when they beat Michigan just how joyous like the team's love and admiration for each other was. It was so infectious, and I think that that was clear throughout this whole week, you know, with all the clips that were being played and then Kiana Smith's player intros which were way better than Zion Cook's oh fantastic job way better um but it just that the way that the team cared for each other it was really apparent and yeah I I don't I, I was in the same boat as you Paul I did not see this team making the final four but when they did you know it it really felt like they could win it but unfortunately just didn't play their best last night Keanu was was so much fun in those intros too because we've had that some interesting stuff in those intros here. We found out that Emily Linkshitter can dance, 
and they showed about a five second little birds, <laughs> and it looked like she was trying to maybe stomp out, you know, ants that were crawling up the sidewalk instead of dancing there. But uh, she'll have plenty of time to work on her dancing skills in the WNBA, I suppose. <laughs> in uh, all fairness, I can't dance either, so. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I, I, I I'm just having nightmares seeing you out on the disco floor. <laughs> with those size 27 feet you've got you know you're stepping <laughs> on your partner's feet all night long right uh you know, it was just fun and it let, let's face it louisville had nothing to lose coming into this game jared we were going up against number one in the land and number one for a long time in the land uh the media which the media myself included tends to do sometimes we run with the front runners and certainly Stanford was the story. ESPN's darling UConn had made the final four. Oh my, you know, so basically in their backyard and they, anyway, they enough on it. And Stanford, the defending champs, you know, uh, yeah, we were, we were, we were fourth place in this foot race, but you know, Jared, I'm awfully proud of this team for a couple of things. First of all, they showed some fight that I think with the returning players will stick in their mind for a long time. And second of all, Jeff Wall showed that, you know, he knows how to handle defeat gracefully and complimentary. Yeah. Um, it, it's been a, a great year just kind of piecing everything together, especially in the, the tournament in this long run. And, and as you mentioned, uh, Kind of being that that underdog, the one that nobody really expected to be there. I mean, there's a lot of folks that thought Tennessee would would beat Louisville, Michigan would beat Louisville, Baylor would beat Louisville. There were a lot of people that thought Gonzaga or whoever they played in Nebraska could have beat Louisville. Yeah, and just a lot of folks really doubted what Louisville could do this year. And and early in the year, I'll give Walsh credit. He did say this is a team that can either lose in the second round or make it to the Final Four. And I mean, they made it to the final four, so he was he was right about that part. And and you you see a lot of there were a lot of new pieces you had to put together with with this puzzle this year. You had a lot of transfers uh, that came in and and made an impact, like Chelsea and, and Emily. And then you were kind of riding on some of your freshmen, like uh, Peyton, having to come in and and get some valuable minutes different times throughout the year. So it wasn't like we were, you know, a team that was returning everybody from last year's squad like Stanford was or South Carolina returned a lot of their players. And we had a lot of new faces that it, it takes a lot of mesh and gel and figure things out. And we're the team that was there that didn't have all the tournament experience like some of these other teams. I mean, I believe Mikasa may have been the only one that's been to a Final Four prior to this for you, though. That would be correct, sir. So, I mean, that was a lot of our players just – haven't had that feeling or know what it takes to get there yet. So the fact they were able to overcome some adversity and even get there in the first place and then take the lead against South Carolina there in the second quarter is just impressive. And I think from what we got to see this year that we all knew it was possible. Uh, and, and you got to be proud of this season. It It's tough and try not to get emotional that the year's over and rethinking the Michigan post game in my head with the, Emily and Haley there is tough too because you know how much this team, this program, these coaches mean to these players. Very touching and sad but dramatic scene too in the post game too where both Emily and 
and Haley just kind of broke down in the post-game press conference, which you expect out of a squad that has lost the game. But uh, even, even Jeff Wall was kind of choked up a little bit, but Walls responded quite well. And, and, and it's something that was brought out to me that, that I didn't even realize. The great Mike Krzyzewski of Duke went to the Final Four five times before he won it all. Hmm. Five times. Wow. A guy who's considered arguably one of the finest coaches in men's college basketball today. Mm-hmm. He didn't get there until his fifth time at doing it all. So, uh, wow. Daryl, let's let's take a look at here at this team what we've got going on here. You know, uh, a couple things, a couple questions I've got. How about Sydney Shetna? Does she go to volleyball and just kind of abandon the basketball idea, or can she step in and be some help to this team? You know, I haven't really seen a lot of her. I mean, I know she's hyped on the bench. She supports her teammates, which is what you want from somebody um, who hasn't established a role yet. Um, but it's just going to – I know that this transfer portal uh, offseason is going to be insane. We're, we're going to see a whole new team again um, every day. I mean, Coach Walls was out recruiting in Wichita in between games. So, I mean, he's already looking ahead. He knows what he has coming in and coming back and what holes he'll need to fill. And we've, we will have plenty of them. And, you know, I'm just still looking at the, the stat sheet from last night, and there's still things that stand out to me. Obviously, the team not making threes. I'm, I'm not even going to count that one from Haley because it's, I mean, the, the thing was over by then. Hey, so, it, was a, it was a good shot, though. That was like yeah, a, that was a nifty shot off the bounce. <laughs> if you're gonna say, but "Wow, good three, it, but it, it didn't made matter. No yeah, it didn't matter. Effect on the game. Like we, that should have been in the first thirty seconds, uh, and then maybe the game would have been different. But I mean, it just show goes to show the difference um, between the two t- final scores. We we didn't make a three. I felt like our benches minutes weren't really that efficient. Unfortunately, I mean, Peyton came Verholz came in and for eight minutes, and she had three fouls. Um, that just seems like a lot in a little bit of time. Um, didn't get anything out. Why? Why did? Can anybody tell me why Liz only played five minutes? No, I I was gonna make the same point. Thinking about like playtime, Don Staley had mentioned that they were a lot deeper and especially had more length off the bench too. But I I would have employed a much different strategy defensively in the paint that would have included a lot more physicality. I don't. I don't subscribe to the belief that um, Olivia Cochran was a good defensive matchup for Aliyah Boston. I think that played itself out quite clearly. Um, I think that the approach should have been much more physical, and you have two players that can be big and domineering in the in the post and make Aliyah Boston earn it a lot more than Louisville did. They played her very cautiously. And I think that uh, I would have rather seen Olivia and Liz both foul out with five minutes left in the game than the kind of tentative defensive approach that we took for that one. Yeah, I wanted to see a, a, a rotation of the two. I really thought that we would use that, um, and it would it may potentially confuse them. And and Liz, I feel like, deserved a little bit more time out there. I'm, I really don't want to insult Coach Walsh, but I don't know the reason why she didn't get more playing time. Um, I'm kind of surprised we didn't at one point, especially when we were just getting beat on the boards and beat in the paint, why we didn't move to the 
the too big look, even if it was just for a couple minutes to try and regroup. Yeah. Why not put Cochran and, and uh, Liz in together and maybe even keep Emily in there and run with some size and see how that works out. I mean, at least test it when you're uh, going down 15 in third quarter. you got to try different looks to see what's going to work. I, I was hoping we'd, we'd see a little more, like Case mentioned, some physicality and some uh, impact in the post. Yeah, you have to kind of question that a little bit as well. But uh, I guess one of the things that we're not privy to that the coaching staff is privy to is just the wealth of game film they went over getting ready for this and looking at some things that might work. And if it was indeed their game plan that that, that they didn't need to go double big in there, that they were going to, run the, the the girl behind the mask which is what i was calling cochran earlier this week uh a long long time against the the best center in college basketball then that's what maybe the team believed was going to be the best for them admittedly liz is a little bit slow on defense but she's certainly a big body that could have i think got in there and pounded up a little bit and when she's hitting that five footer it's certainly a good thing but cochran had a great game offensively so mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to go with this viewpoint on it, and y'all can comment on it as you may. I think that their guard play just simply was the difference in this game. Their guards shut us down defensively. They scored a lot of points. And when you, you take a look between Haley and what she did, what Chelsea Hall did, what Mikasa Robinson did, uh, basically they had – 13 points between the three of them for the game. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have an issue with the uh, lineup philosophy necessarily as far as like the, the type of play we played. I don't think that a big approach would have worked just because they outsized us. If you put in too many bigs, I mean, their size also had speed, so you would have just kind of had some sitting ducks out there. Uh, the rotational philosophy left a little bit desired, like I mentioned, but um, yeah, the, the guard play was tough. Um, I... You know, you never want to harp on a single player, but I, it wasn't Chelsea Hall's night. I don't. I thought that Mikasa Robinson made a much bigger impact, offensively and defensively, which is a weird thing to say, um, for the Cards. But you know, they just kind of had Louisville's number. There's not really, with the experience that Louisville has, the skill that they had at the positions and sizes that they had. This was a, a pretty terrible matchup for Louisville. I mean, they were not. There was not more tall guard play to find. I mean, could Alana Smith have gotten a little bit more time? Sure, but you know, Narika has got a little bit more height, but she's been, you know, really out of it as far as uh, participation goes recently for various reasons. And um, Peyton, Peyton just was not ready for this stage. It was an evident drop-off when she came in for Emily, um, which is not to take anything away from her, but it was down to the point where after Emily fouled out, it was maybe two possessions later, uh, there was kind of a jump ball rebound that Verholz was very in the radius of. Uh, It was clearly evident that she's just not that same player. I mean, Emily would have been eight Mm -hmm. feet in the air jumping to get it and Peyton didn't leave the ground so 
uh, you, just the players that you had available just didn't match up well with South Carolina. And, you know, I wrote an article, you, you can't blame the officiating for this game because Louisville, I mean, Louisville lost plenty on their own merit. And they missed a ton of layups. They had unforced errors. I mean, 11 steals for South Carolina and probably more than half of those were literal just passes to them or fumbled dribbles that mm-hmm. we haven't seen Louisville do that kind of thing all season and I think that the the stage was just a little too big the lights just a little too bright and that they didn't have it I was I was frankly stunned that Walls let it go even beyond like five to nothing before he called a timeout I, I, I was I expected to burn a timeout in the first minute and a half of the game. Um, kind of wish that he would have, but, you know, I thought... Well, I equally thought that... surprising, though. Listen, you know, Don Staley watched this go on a, on a 12-over run and didn't go. I, 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 was, I was exclaiming on the couch, like, she's leaving her team out to, like, hanging them out to dry, and then, you know, they recovered. And that's why she's coaching for a national championship, and I was screaming it from my couch. <laughs> <laughs> you know... Daryl, you had brought this up earlier, and I'd like to, to kind of go back to you on this one, that the transfer portal and the difference that it made, obviously, this year. And it's going to probably continue to make in women's co- all college basketball, but especially women's college basketball in the future here. Uh, Jeff Walls, what, what does he need to do with this portal? I think my answer to it is find some bigger players, but your thoughts on it? Well, he mentioned it um, about Emily's transfer in here. He takes into consideration what we have coming back and how it'll affect the players that are currently on the roster. And I mean, that's, I mean, that, that is just says a lot about him that he cares. And he mentions just their personalities and being able to mesh with the team and accept the, the culture and the standards and be able to, make an impact. So I think he's got his eye on potentially a few people he's already been aware of before they, you know, like maybe he offered them before and they decided to go to Notre Dame or whatever. And he's, he probably still would offer them. um, If it fit well, I think he's got a good judgment on that. I think Emily just blended amazingly with, the team that we had and she made a huge impact. And I think that that's going to inspire um, other transfers that to want to come here. And the fact that they were able to get to the final four, which is a goal of hers. She had never even won a game in the tournament. Um, and to get to a final four for her is, and, and get her NBA career started. She, she is like the poster for the transfer portal at Louisville. It's it, it, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for U of L and um, to go deeper next year. And somebody else pointed it out uh, that the men, when they lost the Final Four ten years ago, they won it the next year. So maybe somebody out there has got their eyes on the cards and they're just licking their chops to get in here and get started. I think that Walls's um, care for his players is one of those underrated things that matters in the transfer portal. I mean, a lot of people just want to find the best player available. They just want to fill slots that they think they need improvements at. Um, Just 
players' feelings matter, right? And like the way that, uh, the way that they perceive slights is important, especially mm-hmm. for young people like college athletes. I mean, it, it matters all the way up until you're uh, a, a veteran pro. If you look at on the NFL side, football only, or make that caveat really big, really clear. When the Falcons are looking at trying to trade for Deshaun Watson, Matt okay, Ryan's we're like, not wor- "We're not worried about the Falcons here. You're way off." No, 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 let me make a point. I mean, come on, this is not a show. Let me make a point. Matt I don't care about the Falcons, but like the like <laughs> Matt Ryan. Think- Matt Ryan was slighted and hurt, like as a player, and ultimately the Falcons didn't even get that player, and then they still trade Matt Ryan because that 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 feeling that slight is so yeah. critical. Like if you bring in a player. Because you think you need an upgrade at center, right? Like maybe maybe you think Olivia Cochran's great, but she's not getting it done. We need to upgrade there. And you bring in a big. You bring in a star big who was not happy where they were. And you're just like, yeah, that's a great fit. We'll land it. And then Olivia Cochran's like, what the hell? Right? Yeah. Like th- it matters. And I don't think that Jeff Walls is looking for best player available. I think he's looking for, like Daryl said, that fit and that. Um, he he cares how it impacts his players, whether or not it would be a quote unquote skill upgrade at any position or not. And and can, oh, go ahead, Daryl. Are you sure, Jared? You haven't talked in a while. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna piggyback off of what Case said, and and even just more in the eyes of the players. Players are around the country talk. And when they're looking for the transfer portal, they're, they're going to reach out to players on the current team. And and you're going to see players reach out to Emily Inksler and um, even when Kiana had transferred in. And they're going to be like, what made you choose Louisville? And mm-hmm. are you happy with your decision? And when they speak all these, speak highly of the coaching staff and just how much they care about the players, not just in terms of the basketball, the game standpoint, but as a person and their future and their well-being. And that's one of those big things that's going to make a difference and put Louisville as one of those primetime spots in the transfer portal that a lot of people are going to want to come. It's just yeah. that alone. That's where I was going with that. I mean, we talked about Emily and her uh, issue with getting technicals. I mean, think about that in terms of life. That's not just stuff that on the court. That's stuff that they can take off the court, potentially just – that's what she means when she's talking about coach walls caring about her as a human. I guarantee those meetings about getting texts on the court was saying, I know you're passionate, Emily. I know you really care and you don't think the foul was called, but sometimes you just got to keep your lips shut. And that's stuff that they, that translates to the real world. And and that's why Emily and Haley are crying in the, the conference when it was immediate when they say, what does coach walls mean to you? It's like, they're just hard swells up and they can't they choke up they can barely talk about it because they can feel the support and that's going to go on for the rest of their lives emily Angler has a home here forever like whatever she does um in the real world whether she goes overseas gets a job as a realtor i don't care she's going to come back to louisville and she has a place here and i think that coach walls has established his roots here to where these players know he's not going anywhere. So 10 years down the road, if Emily comes back here and wants to be on staff, if she just wants to come to a game that the 
the opportunity is there. If she needs somebody to call when she's got stuff going on, that Coach Walls is there. He cares. And it, it means so much um, moving forward for anybody that wants to be a card. And as Walls likes to say, I'm not preparing these girls just for college basketball and the time they're going to spend here, but I'm preparing them for life after basketball because life is hard and they need to learn that. And I think Walls has done a very good job on that. And just one more thing on, on the Angela point here where Walls and his staff were seeing that she was in the portal and ready to come. What does Jeff Walls do? He goes immediately to Casa Robinson. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm thinking about picking this girl up. The thing about it is it's got to cut in on your playing time if she comes here, Casa. Casa doesn't bat an eyelash. She goes, bring her on in, coach. I'm tired of gardening her. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'd love to have her on this team. Whatever's going to help us win. Which shows a lot about the the makeup and the, and the stuff of Casa Robinson to say that, you know, some players might have flown off the handle and immediately gone into the portal themselves. Casa, always the positive influence. That, Get her in here. She can help us. I'm tired of Gardner. <laughs> I mean, have you seen that wingspan? I would be too. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. But, uh, you yeah, know, the cards. I don't think anybody can look at this season and be disappointed beside the obvious 24-hour kind of blah feeling we felt that they lost in the Final Four because this was an incredible season for Louisville. This is a team that went, depending on whose count you want to take, the NCAA said we were 29-5. and five. Jeff Wall says we were 30-5 and five because they did not give us credit for the win over Virginia and the NCAA. But, well, the ACC says we were 30-5. and five. Yeah. The ACC at the end of the season doesn't run the Final Four tournament and doesn't put out the official final standings. It's the NCAA does that, which is obviously a very backwards, asinine organization. But be that as it may, uh, Jeff Walls, I think, has got a whole lot of momentum to build on here for next year. And, and we have no clue on how these freshmen that are coming in are going to turn out for Louisville. They're all highly ranked. They're all highly anticipated Zana Walker. The one that I want to talk about here is the potential of Alexa Mobley, who came in early just to sit on the bench with this team this year to kind of get an idea and an inkling of what Louisville women's basketball is all about. Uh, this could be your next Maisha Hines-Allen. This could be your next, uh, uh, use any other term you want, Courtney Walton or, or Asia Taylor or whatever. This girl's got all the tools packed into her night kit, and she's ready to go to work. Yeah, I think yeah, that... I, I'm excited to see her come in. I, I think she's going to bring a high level of athleticism as well as size that is going to help push our post players to get better in terms of Olivia and Liz, as well as I think Alexia may be one of those that's going to see almost an immediate impact in terms of playing time next year. I can remember Case interviewing her when it was announced she was coming to Louisville and I somehow wrangled her phone number out of an unnamed source <laughs> and was able to get permission from her parents to interview her and did so. And I asked her, what was it about Louisville? And she goes, I took a trip to the campus and I was blown away. 
these girls honestly love each other. They are so into each other. And they're doing stuff all the time to support each other. It's, and she was telling me it was a very nurturing environment. An environment where she said, if I've got any freshman homesickness, these girls will, will make sure I don't have it for very long. Because they'll get me engaged and stuff. They'll get me active and stuff. And uh, I think that's very true about the team. They do that. And you know where that stems from? The leadership. That's Coach Walls. Like, uh, you know what stands out to me was, I can't remember which game it was last weekend. Um, but as soon as the cards won, Coach Walls walked up to, into the stands at, and talked to a, a recruit, a potential recruit or, or someone. I can't remember the name of who it was, but, like, we won. And he wanted to go say, hey, did you see that? You could be a part of that. Or, or this is what you got coming. Or, you know what I mean? It's, it's immediately, we won the game. Now I got to go take care of these people that are in the stands who came out to watch us and, and continue to show them that I remember them. I know they're here. I want them to join us. So, I mean, it's, that's exactly where our team gets it. Leadership. Ellie Van Lith in the, I think, final third of the season was convinced by her teammates that she needed to be more vocal. She needed to be a leader of this team, and she responded in kind Edinburgh, really. Next year, I think that she'll be able to do the same, but let's talk about leadership. Haley, I think Jared is the girl that takes this team underneath her five foot seven wing. It says, do as I do, say as I say, and let's go out and kick some butt next year. I think Haley's going to be more of the vocal leader we're going to see, and then the one that's going to step on, on an offense and be that go-to scorer and player that we need uh, in terms of when we just go on a stretch where we need somebody to score. But I think Mikasa coming back is going to continue to be a leader. And although she's not a vocal leader on the court, it's through her actions and work ethic that sets a great example for the rest of the team. And the what we kind of refer to as like the blue collar worker player on the team where she's out there diving for loose balls and going in against players that have almost an entire foot advantage of her uh, to haul in a rebound. And she just does all of that. And by setting that example is a big time leader in itself. When we talked a little bit about earlier about what's coming in, to Louisville, we've, we've discovered the possibilities of the transfer portal, but the, the five players that, as far as I know right now, are still all in the running for playing next year at Louisville. You've got two wings. You've got a forward, a guard, and a post. Uh, we'll start it out with Nyla Harris. She's a 6'2 forward out of Highland Prep, Florida. Very, very strong forward in college basketball. Zion Walker, the only real, I guess, true guard in the bunch. Six foot, a tall guard there at six foot. Out of Wichita Heights, Kansas. Gee, that, that's probably who wants. was in the stands. Yeah, that's probably who it was, Daryl. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if she was excited to have the Wichita region there, seeing her team play there. Uh, <laughs> Amani Lester, 6'3. They've got her listed as a forward post. She could be either, I suppose out of North Raleigh Christian Academy, North Carolina. Uh, one that I'm really excited about is Jalen Brown. She's a wing, uh, six foot tall, uh, just an incredible versatile ball player that can really lock it up on the defense. And then, as we mentioned earlier, Alexa Mobley, 
a six foot two wing who uh, got to spend a year uh, uh, in, in tutorship, learning a little bit about this team. This is a very strong class coming in, Casey. Yeah, and what stood out to me was while you're listing, you know, heights and positions and strengths, um, you look at two things that Louisville is losing, uh, Keanu Smith and um, Emily Inksler, and you're obviously not expecting freshmen to just come in and replace them immediately as far as their abilities go, but you know, you're losing Emily Ingsler, 6-1-ish, listed as a forward. She played wing. She could stretch three, uh, really was a, a four in the women's game. Could, you know, small lineup, easily play the five position. Um, and you're talking about, you know, 6-2 forward wing combos that are coming in to replace that. You talk about Keanu Smith, six foot, listed as a guard, really a true three. Um, uh shooting forward as it were uh she's got more height than than some of the typical guards and and you've got some players coming in that can fill that role as well and i think to the benefit of the team um next year obviously you'll lose mikasa robinson alana smith uh Marika kono probably uh liz dixon but a lot of those talking about after next year i mean but a lot of other players like um, Shetnan, Cochran, Van Lith, uh, Romani Parker, Marissa Russell, like many of that core that we were very excited about coming in and Cochran and Van Lith in particular, Berholst I skipped over, um, Van Lith and Cochran in particular that have been so uh, important just in their first two years. You know, in two years they'll be seniors and then all the all the class that we're talking about and the players below them will be juniors and that could be an extremely exciting team not even counting what could happen in this upcoming season as well so I yeah it's the the future is bright Uh, obviously it would be nice to not continue saying that after a final four loss or championship game loss uh, over the years but looking ahead is encouraging it's not like we're we're a seven senior team that is looking at a steep precipice there's still quite a lot on the horizon and when you look at where at as compared to where the take for example the dumpster fire that's currently going on in lexington where <laughs> you know, everybody but rupp arena has left the program uh, and then you also take a look at the, the problems that North Carolina State now must face where they were a favorite of a lot of people to go all the way to the Final Four and win this thing. And then they uh, unfortunately found a bump in the sidewalk and fell off their bicycle, which had to be very disappointing for a big, big bunch of Wolfpack fans down there. We're in good shape, Daryl. We've got some excellent talent coming in. We've got some excellent talent coming back. And the cards have also got the transfer portal, which is kind of like Christmas morning. You just don't know what's in that big package by the tree, but you're sure open, open, you can open it soon and find out. Yeah, you call it Christmas morning. I'm calling it Coach Walls the Magician. He's going to pull a rabbit out of his hat or something <laughs> one day on us. But I still, I'm still in the kind of like the grieving phase. You know, we're just a few hours out of the loss, and it's hard for me to transition into looking ahead but 
I just don't want to, um, I don't want to move on too fast, if that makes sense to you all. I just feel like these players put so much effort into giving the fans an incredible show, making basketball last all the way till April. Um, it's just really sad that it ended there. Um, but it was to a great team and, um, you know, I want to say that the team left it all out on the floor, but there's a few holes in the stat sheet, um, that hopefully these players coming in can help, um, fill that for, because the competition in the, in women's basketball is getting wider. It's not just your UConn and, um, whoever else was your Stanford. So it's, it's starting to bleed out into other conferences and, uh, the, the, the gap between the top four teams and then the rest of the top 25 is starting to blend a little bit and it's good. It's really good. Um, it's not just a chalk for UConn to get to the championship, even though, you know, here they are. Um, <laughs> but, but they weren't undefeated three years in a row. Okay. Yeah, they're they're having a down year case. Right, the two seed. Yeah, Sue Bird isn't going to walk back through that door, but they're still pretty good, okay? Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, I just don't want to – I'm not going to move on too fast because uh, I'm really sad for Emily and Kiana. and But they'll be around. I know that they're, they're going to come back. They're, they're permanently part of this program, and we'll see them in the stands and – Little girls will be lined up in the stairs trying to get autographs while they're trying to watch the game. So that's just the culture here, and um, it's it's a lot of fun. And I really appreciate Coach Walls giving this university and this city something to cheer about. And, Daryl, you mentioned the holes in the, the stat sheet, and I wrote about it a little bit. I almost take solace in the fact – I mean, it, it sucks to lose, right? And it sucks to lose when you feel like you could have won, but – there's a little bit of relief in thinking, okay, Louisville lost because they played poorly, right? Like they did, they, yeah. they, yeah, the effort was there. Six. The effort was five there. Six, yeah, the effort was there, but, and they were trying, but like, they didn't, the execution wasn't. I mean, Louisville didn't play very well. They were not super outmatched. It was a bad matchup, but Louisville belonged there and on another night could have easily won that game. It just wasn't their night. And that's a little bit relieving in 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 that that thought. I mean, it still sucks. And it, there's the flip side of that that it's like, well, you, if they could have won, they should have won, and that would feel a lot better. But, you yeah. know, it, it's not like they went out and got boat raced. You know, final score, betting line aside, the game was a lot closer than it seemed, and, and Louisville was right there. And I, I like I said, I take solace in that fact. Um, yeah. knowing that Louisville belongs in that conversation and, and didn't just make their way there and now, oh, you're up against one of the powerhouses, time to lose and go home. Like, they can be one of the powerhouses. I mentioned it in the article. They were one of, they were the only of the eight teams across the two um, tournaments that made the Final Four that doesn't have a national championship. And they will. Like, they're going to mm -hmm. get there. It just wasn't this year. Yeah, I think if I would be more upset if, the cards nailed 10 threes and they had 20 assists and they did everything right. And, and still, still lost by 12. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd be more upset. As we speak of contest, uh, we do need to go to our bracket czar, Jared Anderson, who has been 
working the spreadsheets, crunching the numbers, doing simple arithmetic in his, his head, and has come up with an updated status on our pick'em challenge that we held at Cardinal Couple for the NCAA tournament. Jared, uh, a, a variety of scenarios here to discuss, sir. Yeah, it, uh, it's finally coming down to the wire, and the the pick'em is really taking shape there. And uh, the the Louisville loss, unfortunately, really broke it down even more to only a few brackets left. And uh, the four brackets that were in the lead after South Carolina beat Louisville had Stanford winning last night. And then two of those brackets had South Carolina win the championship, two had Stanford win the championship. Uh, so it it makes it for an interesting scenario now. The the four brackets that have 46 wins right now are Kenny Schneider, Kenneth Stark Sr., B, and then myself. And Kenneth Stark Sr. and B both had Stanford going on to win the, the national championship. So their brackets are now set in stone done at 46 wins. Uh, while Kenny Schneider and myself both went with the South Carolina win. And so it could be interesting. Uh, you know, South Carolina wins, and you've got a few con wins, Jared. Right, if you if you con wins, you've got the four way tie for first, which really is going to make it exciting because then you have to come down to the total point situation and see who's going to be closest in terms of the uh, the Price is Right. However, we don't do that if you go over your your out. So, you know, if you said that the total combined score is going to be a hundred points and they only score ninety nine points. Just because you went over, you're, you're not going to be out. You, if you're within one, you're probably going to win. Uh, if like right, if South Carolina wins and it just comes down to a two-way tie, which once again, you get to the tiebreaker. Uh, but it, other than the chimps who <laughs> finished their bracket at a 33-1%, which is about as good as some of the experts do sometimes, everybody else is going to have a, a winning bracket, winning record, and I think we're up to four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen brackets have forty-one wins, which is pretty phenomenal. I mean, that's close to two-thirds of mark when you think about it with sixty-three games. So, so yeah, a lot of great picks for a lot of people. Just sad the the tournament is just about over, and sad that the cards aren't one of them still dancing in the tournament. I've never ever said that our readers did not have great basketball knowledge, and they've certainly proven it by their entries here. And uh, He has to say that because he's in second to last. <laughs> oh, I never said I, met, I said our readers. I didn't say a damn thing about your owners. <laughs> because Sonny and I are uh, the foundation for a very strong bracket, which means we're down in the bottom in the mud, you know, with crawdads crawling around us. Yeah, but that's what makes it a uh, cardinal couple, especially with our readership and interactions, so exciting and fun is the fact that so many people have a great understanding of different sports, especially women's basketball, that you can have intelligent and in-depth conversations about the game without the basic, oh, did you watch the game last night? Oh, that was stupid that they lost. You know, we can actually get in-depth and, and discuss this with our readers who yeah. actively comment and, and talk about the game at a, a much deeper basis. Do not fall back on the age-old complaint. Oh, the refs took this one from us. They have sound and rational reasons for why we win and why we lose. Yeah, I think and the whole uh, Boston not getting called for any fouls or travels, travels last night is more of a, an April Fool's prank that they were pulling on or something. 
I think the whole game was an April Fool's prank, and the NCAA will say, okay, they're going to actually go ahead and play again tomorrow because that was an April Fool's joke that we played on walls. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? But uh, certainly. And Jared, of course, being the brackets are, will have the official announcement on this thing sometime, I guess, Sunday night or Monday on, on who is the official winner of our tournament. And then he has proudly told me that he wants to start another bracket almost immediately after this one where people try to figure out how many selfies he's going to take in the next two weeks at various Bell <laughs> sporting events. And closest to that total, of course, will uh, I guess we'll have to do that by secret ballot, though, because you could influence the, uh, the outcome by that. But. So there it is, gang. Uh, I guess uh, we can roll into some final thoughts now and kind of and, and we did not get into any softball, and I do apologize for that. You know, that, that's certainly something that's going to be going on. We didn't talk across. We didn't talk a lot of things because, let's face it, everybody wanted to talk basketball today. Our readers wanted to hear about basketball. They wanted to see Case write about basketball. They'll listen to this podcast wanting to know more about basketball. We're a basketball crazy city. And uh, and we're grieving. And we, we are in a little bit of, I'd say mourning right now, but mourning with, with the prospect of, of things being a lot brighter down the road for us after this period of, of sadness that, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's only one team that ends the season undefeated. Hope springs eternal. That's a very good inept statement, case. And with that, let's go ahead and... End. Jump into some final thoughts here. Since you were so eloquent with that case, I'll let you start with the final thoughts. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, mine's just, I'm probably going to keep it with basketball. I could talk about any of the other sports we didn't cover, but it, it's been um, a joy this season to, like I said, watch this team and their relationships and unfortunate to see it come to a close, but the, the support that they all showed for each other and the care i mean as soon as emily fouled out everyone being right there for her to to pick her up and while it was disappointing to hear uh, ryan rico say that like her emotion was because her college career was at an end when there's four minutes left in the game it's what we were all thinking and we understood what the ramifications were and so did the rest of the team and you know they i was inspired by the fight that they showed after she fouled out to not only keep their season alive, but to keep it alive, I'm sure for her in the back of their mind. And, you know, that was, it it was really, it was really uh, uplifting and watching this team over the past, however many years has, has been very similar and uh, the players change. And uh, like Daryl mentioned, they're all part of this community and, it's because not just of walls, but because of the relationships they built here with everybody. So that's that's my final thought about the WBB season. A very good one indeed, sir. Daryl, what you got for us on final thoughts? Um, I'm same boat. It's uh, basketball for me. Um, sucks that it's over. It sucks that we gotta we got to know and really like some of these players for such a short time. But they're like I said, they're. They'll be around. Um, I'm excited for, you know, the WNBA draft and to see where Emily's going. And I'll be first in line to get that jersey. So I really appreciate those players for giving us everything that they did. There's so many memories from this season uh, that I'll be able to to 
think about moving forward. And I think that they just kind of notched another um, hole in the belt for U of L women's basketball. And, you know, we'll just keep climbing that ladder from here. Absolutely. The ladder does extend upward and we're going to keep climbing it. I agree hundred percent, Daryl. Jared, what you got for me? You know, I always uh, forget how much sports can uh, affect my my mood and, and day, especially the last couple of days going out to Cardinal Stadium and watching lacrosse lose a, a heartbreaker in, in double overtime and then watching softball uh, lose after holding a, a four to nothing lead and then obviously women's basketball and and their their loss to South Carolina in the final four. So it's <laughs> I'm definitely in need of a little bit of recovery before hitting Ulmer this uh, this Wednesday for the cards against a, a top 10 Kentucky softball team and uh, wishing also our cheerleaders and, and Ladybirds the best of luck as they head down for the NCA and NDA championships in Daytona uh, late next week and hopefully we'll see them bring home some, some national championships. Endeavor the next couple of days to try to talk Jared off the ledge as he stands out there with his camera, wondering whether <laughs> he should take one last selfie before he yeah, makes that plunge. Standing out on the, uh, I, th- I envision uh, Jared more of Squidward looking out the window at Jeff getting to enjoy volleyball today. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff being immediately able to put it all behind him, and Jared's just like stewing, sad about it. <laughs> Or Jared standing next to Emily Eastler listening to her vent for a half an hour and realizing that uh, he can't take a picture of this because <laughs> no one would believe it. Nah. As for me, final thoughts, you know, we, we've talked a whole lot about this team. We've talked a whole lot about the wonderful run they've put us on. But I want to talk just a second about the guy who organized and made it all possible. And that is Jeff Walls. Jeff Walls came in here as, as, a, as a guy who was colorblind, who stuttered, and Tom Jurich granted him an interview. Walls had been shot down several times before in applying for head coaching jobs, but Tom Jurich believed in Jeff Walls and hired him. And what has Jeff Walls since done? He's taken this program on a 15-year magic carpet ride, taking them to the highest heights they've ever seen making Louisville a nationally known name in women's basketball, making them a powerhouse in the field, putting players in the WNBA, and basically giving this community something to gather around and cheer for over the last 48 hours on a season where, hey, men's basketball, not so great. Uh, Men's football, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that sport. The city of Louisville gathered behind this team, a team that Jeff Walls built along with his coaching staff, a team that Jeff Walls carefully nurtured with the idea foremost in his mind, not only preparing these girls for a Final Four run, but preparing them for life after basketball. And, uh, yeah, I would tip my hat to Jeff Walls if he was in the same room with me right now. And he would probably make some kind of sarcastic remark and tell me to go get a haircut. But, uh, Coach, there's a lot of people in this city who love you for what you've done. Count me as one of them because uh, you you took us on a fun ride and we're ready for the next one. We've got our tickets and we're waiting in line. Absolutely so. 
Yep. All right. That will do it for uh, another edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast. We'll be back with you next week. And who knows what we'll talk about next week that basketball season's over. We may have Jared do the best of my photos segment for all hour. And, uh, of course, a visual event there. Who knows what will happen. But thank you for joining us today. Unless you know something I don't know, we'll see you next week at 11 o'clock here for the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a rating or review and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. We're available on all of the major podcast players. And be sure to check out the site at cardinalcouple.com for the daily column bringing you the joy and excitement of mobile women's athletics. (music) 